Welcome to Tool Room Confessions. We are brought to you by Murphy's Law Garage. Please visit murphyslawgarage.com for more videos and social media content. Yo, what is up everybody? This is Mikey here, coming to you with episode 2 of Tool Room Confessions. Stick around because we have an awesome show for you today. We're talking about the 2020 Corvette. We're talking about Japanese sports cars and how they have changed from the 1990s to today. And we're talking about the electric car movement along with the Sony car. I'm going to head to the Tool Room right now so we can get this show started. See you there. JB was supposed to be here today, but apparently he left and went home early. You're going to invite me and just start the podcast by yourself? What, your fame is getting in your head or something? <laughs> Screw your tools, bro. Ah, damn it. Work with comp. Do you know how much money that costs? I've got like 20 grand with the tools back here. I got you, bro. It's all good. Come on, man. All right, I'm fine for FMLA. <laughs> you should. I mean, <laughs> I don't. Oh, okay, we're done. We're good. We're done. Yeah. But no, I'm I'm serious though. I mean, we've got at least what did you say, fifty grand worth of tools, maybe 50. more. Yeah, fifty thousand pennies. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, actually a little much, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Only problem is everybody checked all the tools out and nobody ever brings them back. Right. They're all someplace else. It's not like it's my responsibility to uh, make sure everything comes back. Right. You know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're talking about today, Mikey? Oh, we we have a lot to talk about. So one thing that everybody keeps talking about on the inner balls is a 2020 Corvette. 2020 Corvette. How do you yeah. feel about the 2020 Corvette, Mikey? You know, I'm uh, I'm a little conflicted. Uh, the Corvette is it's always typically been front engine, rear wheel drive, American sports car. But I mean, what they're doing is badass. But I mean, is it a Corvette really? Yeah, no. Yeah, I hear you. I'm I'm not a hundred percent certain. In fact, Google might help us with this. I believe one of the original Corvettes was mid-engine. So let me see here. Other mid-engine Corvettes. So what I, from what I found from research is that uh, the guy they call the father of the Corvette, Azora, he actually wanted to make a mid-engine Corvette back in the 60s. Really? They may have actually made a, a prototype, but thing of Americans. Nineteen, yeah, like nineteen sixty four Grand Sport IIB, I believe, and it's an experimental vehicle. Um, yeah, so I remember there being some sort of prototype in a a book, a muscle car book that I once had when I was younger. Uh, but yeah, it, it seems like Chevy has really wanted to give us a mid engine car for a long time. Well, not not Chevy, Zora, the engineer. The engineers <laughs> wanted to do it. Chevy, they were opposite. So the Fiero counts, okay? <laughs> we're not we're not gonna go past that one. The Fiero counts as a mid-engine car. So when I say they wanted to give us, he's wanted to give us a mid-engine Corvette, then 
He's, he has, and he finally has given us one. Now, here's the interesting thing about the Midigen Corvette and what makes it so amazing is the price. And let's talk about that, right? So price per performance. The Midigen Corvette starts at around, you know, high 40s. And this one right here, it says 59, but I think that's a little spicy. Um, you can see prices around $59,000, $58,000. And that, that is amazing because that gets you zero to 60 in what uh, Car and Driver says is 2.8 seconds. Now I've got to give you some frame of reference on 2.8 seconds for 59, let's say $60,000. So let's say you were to buy a 2019 or 2020 Ferrari 488. That's going to be a really fast car, right? Well, it goes zero to 60 in around three seconds. And you want to know how much a 488 cost? $258,000 to start. And the Corvette is faster. It makes more power. It's going to walk it around a racetrack, most likely. So, well, that. That's another topic because I'm sure people may disagree on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, we not, have some hardcore Ferrari fans out there. Uh, yeah, you know, and no one's downing the the fine Italian uh, supercars. They're they're beautiful. The the Corvette is very obviously styled after a Ferrari, so <laughs> it's hard to say that uh, that uh, a Ferrari that the Corvette is not a direct Ferrari competitor because it's very obvious that Corvette was aiming for the throat on that one. Uh, Ferrari. But for reference, let's talk about the BMW. I mean, the Supra. The 2020 Toyota Supra start <laughs> ah, around. You can't, you can't say it, can you? You choke on the word. <laughs> I mean, 50 grand, okay? And when I say 50 grand, you could see a spec'd out Supra get all the way up to 60. So for $60,000, you could have a launch edition Supra that makes 300 less horsepower and is slower to 60. Like, and relatively substantially, it's, it's not a small margin. Uh, zero to 60 on the new Supra is, as car and driver put it, let's see here is about 3.8 seconds. So an entire second, 3.8 to 2.8, an entire second slower for the same money. And it's just a BMW when it's all said and done. Or you could have a mid-engine Corvette with a pushrod V8 making all of the nasty burbly sounds the best of any uh, Corvette American V8 could make with a dual-clutch manual transmission that is faster, I don't care what you say, than the best manual driver there ever was. Dual-clutch automatic transmission, uh, you mean? It is a dual-clutch automatic. Now, there's a fine line right there, you know. When you have a real dual-clutch transmission, I know they're technically called automatics, automatics as friends like to say, <laughs> but they're really not because they're really a manual transmission, you know, when you have a real dual-clutch and some, some Dual-clutch transmissions, like in some of the Lamborghinis, there was no automatic mode. You had to actually pull the paddle shifters to shift them. So I guess in that case, you can't even really call that one an automatic. It is a manual, the F1-style transmissions. 
But because this one has a computer that can do it for you uh, without your intervention, they're going to call it an automatic. But it's a real manual. It's every every bit as good as a good a real manual could be, minus the fact that you don't get the man pedal, the uh, the third pedal, the clutch. I gotta have that third pedal though. Right. <laughs> I gotta have that third pedal. The third pedal makes it a lot funner, doesn't it? It does. The problem is, is it does not make it faster. <laughs> and the dual clutch. You've never seen me shift, apparently. I have seen you shift. <laughs> like, I look like Fast and the Furious. You know when they're driving, they shift like 30 different times? It's like a 50-gear transmission. I think that's only because you're trying to get it in gear, not because you're shifting quickly. <laughs> uh, could be. It's supposed to grind like that, right? Yeah, yeah. it certainly <laughs> is. Yeah, so the new Corvette... You know what, Chevy, I've, I'll probably pick on Chevy's the most. And in the next Murphy's Law Garage video that's coming out, y'all are going to see that I pick on a Chevy a lot. But the Corvette has almost always been spot on everything it needed to be. One of the cheapest, one of the most badass sports cars that have ever come out of America. And Chevy hit it on the head this time. They weren't going to get much more badass in a front-engine rear-wheel drive platform with a stick. They just couldn't do it. The, the Corvette has always aimed the knife at the throat of exotic cars. And it just couldn't keep up anymore. And it, I think about it. If you stay front-engine and rear-wheel drive, you then have to continue to compete with the likes of the Shelby GT500. You have to continue to compete with the likes of the Camaro ZL1. You know, those are the, I'm sorry, let's not leave Dodge out, the, the Hellcats. So, and that's really difficult because those cars climbing up to like, for instance, 700 plus horsepower, they're keeping up now. So you can't have a flagship like the Corvette, which is a sports car, not a muscle car or a pony car, running around a track side by side with these big heavy sedans and stuff like that. So when they first invented the Corvette, the whole idea was to make it like the European sports car. That was the point. That was the point. It was the track car. It wasn't the go straight in a straight line really fast car. It was to take a turn. So all these guys that are freaking out that Chevy is producing a take a turn car, that's what the Corvette has always been. The whole ZL1, you know, and, and drag pack this and that, and I want to go fast in a straight line that is not what the car was intended for. It was intended to take a turn real fast and make the Italians look silly. I mean, really, that's what it was built for. The big difference is the Europeans, they, they built a sports car, right? Mm -hmm. And the whole idea was to keep improving and make the handling better, make it faster. And where are they today? Mid-engine. Right. And stupid amounts of power and a stupid price tag, right? It is because they're, right. they're low volume and they're complex. And it, it's even more complicated than that because the European cars, albeit beautiful, I, I mean, Ferraris are absolutely gorgeous. Every single Ferrari was gorgeous. I don't care what model it was. When it came out around the other cars that were around it, they were gorgeous. Uh, think of the when the F40 came out in the same time period that you had a Chevy Caprice rolling around on the street. Like, how do you even put those two cars in the same category? You didn't. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. It was fast. Even though I think it only made like, you know, 280, uh, not, not the F40. The F40 was extremely fast. Some of the Ferraris at the time, they only made 280, 300 horsepower. That was even still fast then. Um, but I think something else we have to take into account here 
is that let's say you pay 280, 300 grand for that Ferrari and you pay you 60 grand for the Corvette. How much is it going to cost you to continue to own those cars into the future? Right? The, the Ferrari, the cost is going to be astronomical. The Corvette, it's, it's a freaking, you know, LS, LT platform motor. They're in a thousand different vehicles. You know, you could go into a parts store and buy damn near any part for that motor. You're not doing that for the Ferrari, period, at all. And most of the work you're going to need to do, you can't because they're going to have uh, screw down engine covers and stuff where you can't even get to it without bringing it to a dealership on purpose. So not only is it wildly expensive to get into, it is wildly expensive to maintain, wildly expensive to insure. So Chevy wins, period. Period. The, the new Corvette is a win, period. And the point I was getting at earlier is um, the Europeans have the right idea. Advance in technology, build better, faster cars, right? Right. And unfortunately, we get in this mindset here in America that we like it how it is. Right. We don't want it to change. That's correct. We, <laughs> and they're like, we really I want a manual. It. I want a rear-wheel drive, front-engine, two-seat car. That's all there is to it. There is a place and for those cars. They'll never go away. But And even the Europeans, there's a place for those cars. They'll never go away. Yeah. Problem is, Chevy knows that. That's why they fought it for damn near 60 years trying to keep it the way it is without changing. Right. Yeah, the, it's the Americans, really. It's, it's us. We, we wanted to keep that platform. And, you know, the Europeans, they're known for pioneering some of the most fantastic technologies. You know, think of the Mercedes S-Class. The, the just about every fancy piece of tech you have in your Toyota Camry right now was designed inside of a Mercedes S-Class. You know, it was designed inside of a BMW 7 Series. So you, you can't get past that. You know, they're very good at what they do. Like the Beetle, right? <laughs> like the, You can't even pick on the Beetle. The Beetle died and is being resurrected all over again, the old Beetle. Listen, like, you can't kill the damn thing. The Beetle is a car... That's replaced by the golf. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you die and you get replaced by a golf, you have problems. Right. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. But I, I'm with you. I mean, part of me wants to be like hardcore. This is a sports car. It needs to remain a sports car. But what what defines a sports car? Really? Can a car be rear uh, mid mid engine still be a sports car? Well, certainly. Look at the mean, the well. Sure. The, the problem is that most Porsches have become supercars. You know, unless you're talking about like just your base model 911, you can call that just a sports car. But you, you got to talk about things like the 370Z and the Miata and all of that. But they're so cheap comparative to the Corvette that... The Miata's badass, though. It is. Don't get me wrong. I, I, mean, for a, I have no hate for the hairdresser's car, really. Don't. <laughs> for 120 horsepower, I mean... <laughs> it's fun. You know, there's something to be said about cars that you can drive really, really hard all the time and never break the speed limit. Because some of the <laughs> funnest cars I ever had were those. And the cars that I got the tickets in were the cars that you beat on them for a second or two, and that was a wrap. You were about to take a trip to jail. Yeah. You know, so definitely no hate. And even Not even for a Honda Civic Coupe, because it's the same principle. Put a fart can on it if you want, make a whole bunch of loud noises, scream down the boulevard, put a smile on your ear, and enjoy the car culture. And who gives a fuck what people think? 
That's right. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. I mean, I might be doing something and not want to hear noise and be annoyed at your lawnmower going down the street, <laughs> but I still enjoy the fact that someone is enjoying car culture. I call it weed eater on speed. Weed eater on speed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mikey, how um, many uh, how many minutes in are we here on uh, Mr. Corvette? Two. Two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Three. Ah, ah, ah. No, but one thing that really amazed me about the Corvette, though, mm-hmm. is the base model 2020 Corvette is damn near just as fast as the top of the line, most expensive Corvette that you can buy in 2019. Correct. Like, I mean, part of it is 3,300 pounds. Like, 3,300 pounds. And some of you may, may be sitting here thinking, well, a Fox Body Mustang weighed like whatever a, a Coke can with half, half filled with water weighed, you know what I mean? <laughs> Which is factual. That's exactly how much a Fox Body Mustang weighed. Uh, but 3,300 pounds in a modern vehicle when Hellcats are over 4,000 pounds is epic. If you, you know, you see the horsepower number right around 500 horsepower and you go, well, that's not a lot in today's day and age, but it weighs 3,300 pounds. <laughs> so when you have a Hellcat making 700 horsepower and weighs over 4,000, that's huge. Yeah, and you have the engine right above the tires. Correct. So, so it, it hooks. Has traction, yeah. And, you know, and generally in drag racing, every 100 pounds is a tenth and a quarter mile. You know, so when you see a thousand pound difference between two vehicles, that's huge. You understand? That's that's yeah. an entire second. That's why we're going to take an LS, put it in a Miata. Sure, but it's been done too many times. Okay. LS, <laughs> rear end of a Civic hatchback. A, that's actually been done already. Has it? I can All show right. you the video. LS engine and a sports bike. <laughs> That's probably been done already. Look, to be a fair. Power, a power wheel. Anything. Right? LS the world, right? LSs have been put in everything to death. And the LS is an awesome platform, yada, yada. I saw one recently here where uh, JR's Garage, they're putting a LS into a old Bentley. It's epic. And if it, actually, it's a Rolls Royce, uh, uh, an LS and an old Rolls Royce. And it's epic. Like they've got nitrous on it, and they've got a a uh, the purge tube run up right under the spirit of the ecstasy's wings, so the nitrous will blow out around it. They've got a full touchscreen dash on it, you know, full digital dash Tesla style. It's, it's pretty epic. Not a big ass iPad like the Mach E. Well, look. So the dash, <laughs> as you might imagine, on an old Rolls Royce is huge, and they've got this big Holly uh, dash in there, and that sucker is like this. It's like the Holly Pro Dash or something like that. It's the whole thing, <laughs> enormous, like like two iPad Pros, maybe two and a half iPad iPad Pros tall and wide. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of wondering, uh, with all the technology we have, with Modern engines. We have overhead cam, overhead cam, and all that. Mm-hmm. Why do we still have the old pushrod V8 in the Corvette? So that one's a simple conversation, and it's actually the same reason why Ford's Godzilla uh, motor, the new 7.3, went back to pushrod. That's a topic for another day. But the the Corvette motor still being a pushrod. I mean, it's not just the Corvette; it's the Camaro, right? So it's the truck engines. Pushrod motors are simple. They're reliable. And no, they will never produce as much 
horsepower per cubic inch naturally aspirated as, say, for instance, a dual overhead cam like in the Coyote, the 5.0, the Coyote motor. You just can't. You can't get the airflow. You can't get the valve timing, yada, yada. It, it's, you can't. But the problem is the Coyote 5.0 is complex. It's got tons of electronics and moving parts, so on and so forth, so it breaks easy. So part of it is simplicity to make them more reliable. And then secondly is cost. Not only cost in building the motor and what it costs you to get the vehicle, but the cost in designing themselves a dual overhead cam V8. That's the whole reason why Ford, for the 7.3 Godzilla, why they went back to pushrod motor, is because the nightmare of the 5.4 mod motor, the, uh, the Triton motors and spitting spark plugs and crap like that, they, uh, they needed, you know, the cam phasers. They needed a much simpler motor that'd be more reliable. I think we're going to get into that a lot more in a different episode, like a pushrod versus a red cam and turbo versus supercharged and all that. Oh, yeah. So we're going to... That's, that's an epic topic. We might actually need a full hour for that one because when you sit down and start talking about all the variables that are what types of forced induction and overhead or underhead, you know, uh, in-block cam, that's a, that's a huge subject. Yeah. I, I apologize if I keep being distracted, and I'm probably going to piss a lot of people off, but he has a picture on his iPad right now of an ugly-ass freaking BMW. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's... It's hurting my eyes right now. <laughs> Hold on. I got you. I got you, Beth. There we go. There we go. Yeah. That's better. Right. Speaking of the BMW, or... The Supra. I keep doing it. It's hard I not keep to. Doing it. It, is, it is what the car is. I don't care how much Toyota says they tune the damn thing. It's a BMW. It's a, there's some people can really argue that point, but... Hey, if you can argue that point, please do. I want to hear it. Are we going into Japanese cars now? Let's Japanese it up. Because I'd like to talk about it. Right? <laughs> let's talk about it. So, let's, that, we can't do that. That's good mythical morning. Don't say uh, let's talk about it. Red Link, we apologize. <laughs> Red Link, we're right. so sorry. We're not taking you steam. Please do not. Don't sue us. Don't copyright us. No trademark. Uh, let's not talk about it. That's ours. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, we can't talk about it. That's right. So, here's the thing, right? The Supra. And this is going to have to be a topic for another day, but I'm going to rant about it right now. Toyota, in the 90s, you made some of the most fantastic JDM sports cars that ever existed. You did it. You gave us the 1JZ. You gave us the 2JZ. You gave us the 1UZFE V8. Some of the most epic motors ever built that steered the direction of other car manufacturers and engineers to build future motors. And you give us a new Supra designed and built by BMW? No one asked for that. No one wanted that. Why? Stop it. For F6, we need, we need, we need the, the 3JZ. We need the real Toyota Supra inline six. We need an epic motor. And 300 horsepower isn't enough, Toyota. Not in 2020. That car for that money should have been making at least 450. And if you wanted to make everyone real happy, should have been 500 for that price. And a 500 horsepower Supra inside that chassis would have been hanging right there with, you know, Mustang GTs, walking all over Mustang GTs, giving Hellcats a hard time. That would have been a Supra. Which is absurd because in the 90s, Mustang GT, Supra. 
Come on. The super would walk the floor. It would. So let's say... But now it's totally backward. Right. So you'd say like an SN95 Mustang. Let's go all the way to 95 and get a... And the, the fastest SN95 you're going to get would have been a, a 5 Ohio. 215 horsepower. Style. 215 horsepower and what was what easily a 3,500-pound car at least. And the Supra was a 3,400-pound car. And Toyota said it made, what was it, 370 or 380 horsepower. Dinos today on low-mileage cars tell us it was more than 400. It's more like 420. So the Supra walked shit on the Mustang. And the price comparison is the same to now. So if you'd have bought a Super back then, you'd have paid about sixty grand in today's money. So Toyota, why why did you do this to us? Why didn't you give us the real monster? You know, you're talking about days where you had the Nissan 240SX, the Mitsubishi Eclipse GSX, the Eagle Talon TSI all-wheel drive. Eagle the Talon, Honda, you had to go. You had oh, to go I'm going to go there. there. I'm a DSM <laughs> fanboy. Get off me. The, uh, the Honda Integra, the... Uh, the uh, the Mazda MX-5, the Mitsubishi GTO, uh, which oh, is that Mitsubishi GT3, the uh, the uh, well they call it GTO in Japan, right? But over here is the GT3000, right? The, so the uh, the Mitsubishi because we already 3000. had a GTO, which was right, so arguably more badass, but we'll we'll get into that. The 3000 <laughs> GT VR4, or if you're a DSM fan, you would have had the uh, the what was it? The Dodge Stealth Twin Turbo. Uh, you had the Toyota MR2. Remember the MR2? The MR2 is an epic car. Toyota, come on, man. Uh, <laughs> the Nissan 300ZX Twin Turbo. Oh, yeah. That, that was a game changer. Right. I mean, that car had the kind of power that supercars were making at the time. That, that's right. And that's, I mean, that's, if you can have that conversation, that's the same thing with the, uh, the Dodge Stealth twin turbo the rt twin turbo and the mitsubishi 3000 gt the mitsubishi 3000 gt in our, today's money was like 70 grand it was out there the 3000 gt uh, vr4 had all-wheel drive four-wheel steer active suspension dampening nothing had that nothing supercars had to catch up to a mitsubishi had to think of that had to catch up to a mitsubishi Think of having streets where the Honda NSX, the Toyota Super, the 300ZX, and the 3000 GT were rolling around, destroying American muscle cars. I mean, running, you know, 12, 13 second quarter miles out of the box with light modifications. When some American sports cars were, ha- uh, you know, muscle cars and sports cars were having trouble running 15s. They were epic, monstrous machines. And where are we today? Backwards, completely backwards. The Lancer is gone. Yep. Arguably, in in my mind, the monster. If you want to say that, Mitsubishi is gone. Oh yeah, I mean, for fuck's sakes, the Eclipse is now a crossover. Yeah. The Mitsubishi, team, you called basically. the, you turned the Eclipse into a crossover. Listen, Ford, if you're listening, do not become Mitsubishi, please. <laughs> That's where you're going right now. <laughs> the Maki, you're doing it. Stop it. <laughs> We know people buy SUVs. Just fucking stop it. Leave the Mustang alone. Uh, the, the Eclipse is a crossover. Now think about that. I'm a big DSM fanboy. The Eclipse GSX. The Eagle Talon TSI all-wheel drive. You're talking about a 2,900-pound. 2,900-pound 
240-ish horsepower, all-wheel drive manual car. Those things were monsters, monsters in the 90s, you hear me? And it wasn't just even in the late 90s, the early 90s, we had the first generation cars too. Now they were more like 190, 200, but they were still basically the same motor, still epic, still a huge amount of potential. And you turn the name of that goddamn car into an SUV. Fuck you, Mitsubishi. You heard it here first. I'm angry about it. I'm mad. <laughs> you got me pissed off. <laughs> so I can't even own that. one anymore now. I can't. Because when I say I have an Eclipse, like if I go back into DSM and say I've got an Eclipse GSX, and they're going to go, oh, what model of the SUV is that? <laughs> Fuck you, Mitsubishi. <laughs> but you know, it's not just Mitsubishi. Like all the Japanese cars, I don't know what they're doing. There's like shit in the bed for some reason. Right, yeah. No like, doubt. Nissan has an, an epic lineup, right? Right. But now they're hanging on by a thread. They the three, have... The 370Z is the same car it was, like, back in... When did the this latest one, the, the 370s, wasn't it, like, 2008, 2009, like something five, like that? It's been, like, five, six years now. It, it's been... Well, it's a lot longer than that, Mikey. What year did the 370Z come out? The 370Z is ancient. I mean, it has nothing for tech. No tech. They haven't tried. 2009. Damn. It is 10 <laughs> years old. You hear me? It's 10 years old. It, it still makes the same power. They did a light facelift on it. What the hell, Nissan? You know what I and mean? And we got the Nismo edition that barely added anything. It wasn't even, it got, it, in some cases, it was heavier. I'm pretty sure it was heavier. It got slower. You know what I mean? Because they put big heavy brakes and track bars and bull crap on it. What what are we doing? Now, don't get me wrong. Nissan has the GTR. And the GTR is arguably... The one best of, car. One of the oh, fastest cars. Like, like the, the, the R35. You know, like, in the world. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't make me do it. The 300... 350 horsepower. The, 350, the, the 370Z Nismo makes 350 horsepower. Do you know how much it cost to look it up? The a brand new base model 370Z. Do you know you can get into a Mustang GT with more than 400 horsepower, like 420 something horsepower, for about 34 grand? 45 grand for the forty-five thousand dollars for a 350 horsepower sports car, and you get smoked around the track and in a straight line, stoplight to stoplight, by a Mustang GT. If a dude is driving a Mustang JT and you got a hot bitch in the seat next to you, she's jumping out and getting in a Mustang GT. That's how hard you're getting your ass off. And you paid an extra 10 grand for that. And you don't even have a decent infotainment. You don't have Apple CarPlay. No. You, you're driving a, a $45,000, $46,000 car. You ain't even got Apple CarPlay. You, you have the same interior that that car had 10 years ago. What the hell, Nissan? <laughs> the Japanese sports cars are dying. Now look, Mazda gave us the Miata, the MX. Um, thank you very much for keeping that alive. That Kudos. car needs to keep living. It's fantastic. The the hard roof version of it is absolutely amazing. I love it. And the new, uh, what is it, Mazda 3? Mm -hmm. I mean, it looks awesome. It, it really does. does. I mean, they... the, C the new C it was CX-5. Even the new little crossover SV is, is a beautiful car. It pisses me off though they didn't make a Mazda Speed version. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know why they wouldn't. They make the best looking Mazda three they've made. 
And they don't want to make a Mazda Speed. The, the Mazda Speed needs to come back. We need Mazda Speed back in these cars because they were just absolutely amazing. Everything that Mazda Speed made. You know, like the Mazda Speed 3 hatch is in my opinion. Like, look at that. Yeah. It's beautiful, beautiful cars. And so you talk about Toyota. Toyota's two sports cars they have right now. One was made by Subaru and the other one was made by BMW. But think about it. Okay, you're a car manufacturer. And you're like, well, I don't feel like building my own engine. Let's find another manufacturer to do it. Right. Let's call BMW. Okay. I mean, they they make good cars, right? Right. Hang on. How about this? Let's call Subaru, the one company that only makes four-cylinder boxer engines, and let's have them put that in their car. And not like, even give us a turbocharged version of it. Yeah. Come on. I right. mean, no, no offense to the uh, STI or any of that, like... I really do like the STI. In fact, me and him but, just the other day were having a conversation about what the most epic argument when I was a kid, you know, going through high school and grade school, which was better, the STI or the Evo? Now, it's the Evo, of course, but it was still a very fun argument to have. <laughs> but if I'm going to pick an engine to put in my car, it's not going to be a boxer engine. I mean, I don't want my... my uh, Garage, they have to deal with that. <laughs> Pull that engine out every time they need to No one wants it. to hear that. Uh, yeah, it's boxer engines are just, they, you know, and I'm sorry, Subaru guys, it's just this fact. They're just historically haven't been very reliable. Uh, they're, it's hard to make a lot of power with them without spending a lot of money in them. It is what it is. Now, do they sound cool as shit with uneven length headers? Yes. Yes, they do. But... <laughs> They're not reliable, and it's hard to make a lot of power safely, you know, reliably. So, so we, we talked about Mazda. Mm -hmm. We talked about Toyota. Right. Outsourcing everything. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Mazda, they, they're not doing what they did. They had the RX-7. I mean, really. Right. I mean, They so had a they freaking... They built a special engine. They built a Dorito motor. A <laughs> motor that ran Dorito on Doritos motor. and a quart of oil every time you put gas in it. <laughs> like, you put all that money into a rotary engine. It's like badass. And what do you do with it? He's like, ah. It was an epic motor. It's an epic idea. Great for airplanes. It just didn't do well <laughs> in cars. It Apex seals, man. It. They, re they really didn't go very long before they hurt themselves. They started who losing. Who cares? They hauled ass while they were going. <laughs> they made lots of fun noises. They revved to the moon. You know, it, They were great motors. But I understand why Mazda gave up on them because they were just probably horrendous in the workshops in the back to keep them running on their dollar, on their dime. I, I think we should move. To, you know, We're talking about Japanese sports oh, no, cars. I, and you almost forgot one. And you were trying to avoid it. You are trying to avoid it. And it's not happening. You forgot Honda. You're gonna get. You're I'm gonna not, end. Hang on. You're gonna end the Japanese sports car conversation and not talk about the Type R. So, correct the Civic Type R. You know the. Uh, let's go back, right? So we we can't talk about the Type R. It's a new car. Let's talk about first the Honda Civic Si. You know, the, the Honda Civic Si, and I think there was a Type R version of even, uh, at least of the Integra. It was an older Type R of right. the Civic, but it wasn't released in America. Um, Actually, there have been three of them, and we never got any of them. This is our first one. They they were synonymously, synonymously fast, fun cars. Now, they were at no point super fast. 
or DSM fast or any of those other really hot fast cars, ARC7, so on and so forth. Now, of course, you could turbocharge them and make them faster, but that argument is the same for any of the other cars. Um, they weren't super great at handling those. Some of the chassis that Honda produced did end up being very good for that. I mean, oh, yeah. of course, like coming up on the S2000. That torque steer is fun, though. <laughs> like, every time you hit the gas, it tries to drag into a wall and kill you. I mean, some of the funnest videos I've seen of Hondas of them tripoding going around turns, you know, the, the, <laughs> the Civic hatches. Um, and then, of course, you have to talk about the Acura NSX. You know, the Acura NSX was an. an Absolutely epic vehicle, you know, mid-engine, rear-wheel drive, just like Corvette's trying to get away with now. And when it came out, it put exotic cars to shame. It put them on notice that we can take the V6 motor out of a minivan and make you look silly. You need to do better. So in, in that respect, you know, all of the Japanese cars of that era, they really did drive American cars to do better. We're going to piss a lot of people off if we don't mention the Integra. Right. So like the Integra Type R, the GSX-R, so on and so forth. The Integra was a, a fantastic vehicle and probably also had a very, very known good track autocross record. But so here's the thing, right? The new Civic Type R, it is as straight out of 2007, 2006, <laughs> 2005 as it could have possibly been. It's like Honda knew the market and... <laughs> A lot of people aren't going to buy the car because it's a little too rice. Let's be real here. It's a little, they went a little too far. But the car was attempting to appeal to my generation sitting in a movie theater watching Fast and Furious. I mean, I would buy it if I had the money. I'll be honest with you. And I don't, I, I don't know if I'd daily drive it, but I'd buy it. I don't blame people who would buy that car. Um, and it, it's because they're a fan of that style, that, that show car style. I don't really even like the style. <laughs> <laughs> Just because fun, fast car. Yeah, I mean, you, you take a little four-cylinder, you crank it up to 300 horsepower, and you put it in a relatively light car, and you give it good handling. It's going to be a ball of fun. It's, it's going to be a competitor to something like a, a Focus ST or an RS, which Ford took away. Give it back. Give it back, Ford. Um, and no longer is because Ford took away the RS and the ST. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's, it's not a bad car. It's a, it's a fantastic car. It's a little expensive. Hey, you got me pissed off again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I think we really, we've got to go the Korean route. We have to do it. I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> like, so we're going to talk about, you know, we're talking about JDM. You talk, you're going to talk about the Kia diarrhea. So you got Japanese domestic market, but not very far away. You have the Koreans, right? So we have to talk about the Hyundais. Okay. I will give them, the Hyundais have come a long way. Well, I mean, think of like long the Telluride, way. you know, like they're competing with Suburbans now. Um, but like the Kia Stinger, where did that come from? We have four-door V6 and a pair of turbos, you know what I mean? Look at the Genesis Coupe. Right. The Genesis right. Coupe has come a very long way. I mean, imagine the sports car Hyundai once had was the Tiburon. I'm sorry, Hyundai people. The Tiburon was never a good thing. Like, ever. And it came really close in, like, 2010-ish era. Uh, maybe even, say, like, 2009 when you had the, the Tiburon, uh, the, that track spec version of it with the six-speed. Man, they got really close. And then the Genesis came and ruined it for everyone. Now, I do honestly believe the Genesis 
should be made available with the five liter V8 that the, the four door has, because then they could genuinely be a Mustang competitor. Uh, I don't know that they could get the cost down. It really does surprise me that those Korean cars are getting more and more and more expensive. Yeah. I don't think anybody could have predicted what happened with that. Right. Like, back when I was younger, the Korean cars were like the cars you did not want to have. Right. Like, people were embarrassed to tell people they had a Kia. They were junk, and now people are driving around in Hyundai Sonatas to 200, 300,000 miles. And, and they have some of the best warranties on the market. They do. I mean, but that's how they got the market share back, right? That's how yeah. they did it. They said, look, y'all don't, we're producing, we know we're producing a great car. And realistically, it's because they're using world motor. Someone else made the motor uh, for them, whatever. But they're saying, we make a great car. We want you to believe us. Here's 10 years and 100,000 miles. We promise it won't break. What do you have to lose when it's, you know, like in this case, the Sonata at the time was 10 grand less than its competitors. What do you have to lose? So um, there are a couple honorable mentions that you didn't, you forgot. Like, sure. Like the Daewoo. <laughs> what? <laughs> you, can't, you can't talk about Japanese cars. I don't even. I know a lot of cars, Mike. Or Daewoo. Yeah. No, would, you've never heard the I know would I know what Daewoo is. Does Daewoo make a sports car and sell it in the US right now? Who cares? I mean wouldn't you want to drive something called Daewoo? No. You forgot uh, to mention Suzuki. Actually they're still around. They pulled out of the US. Yeah, I know Suzuki I, I don't know why is still around. Out. They're not Look at here. that beautiful piece of art. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's horribly ugly. What is that? The Daewoo Lanos, Lanos, something like that. Uh, that is horrible. Um, <laughs> like like old Hyundai horrible. So, yeah, a lot of those cars were just imitating other manufacturers. You know what I mean? So it doesn't surprise me that they're out of the market now. Yeah. <clears throat> but it, it's just disappointing. It is. Because it used to be great and you would think it would just keep getting better with all the technology we have you'd think but that the japanese would give us our amazing cars back and nissan had a real good run with the gtr the 370 350 370 gtr and then they just stopped and it had to be they knew those cars wouldn't just propel them into all the money they ever needed to do everything they had to know that you know they were always going to be you know uh a loss. There was going to be an overhead. The, the GTR has had a facelift in like 2016 or something like that. And they basically touched nothing about it. I mean, you can't fix perfection. <laughs> the facelift, I don't know if you've seen the facelift on the GTR. It no, is, it is hideous. It is hideous. Uh, everything's just, it's like we're living in a different dimension. Everything's backwards. So, Back in the day, in the 90s, you have all these awesome Japanese cars, and a few would leak over here. And if we couldn't get them, we'd build them, like the Type R. Right. And now, it's crazy because, uh, like, Ford is making vehicles, and they're producing stuff over there. We're not even getting over here. Like, what the hell? Ford, come on, again. Ford, you're an American car company. Europe has had the Ranger for years. You're a domestic car company and we're just now getting the Ford Ranger like what is that even they have a two-door 
Fiesta over there. Really? Yeah. Right. And, and we can't even get that. I, you know, and I believe that because they couldn't sell cars to save themselves anyways. That's why the product line has collapsed to the Mustang and some SUVs and trucks. So I, I guess I get that on their point. But, man, it we've come too far. When, when there is a world without a focus, a performance focus, a little hatch coming from Ford in America, we're doing the wrong thing. We've always had an awesome hatch from them. Right. We had the Fiesta, like, back in the day. Right. We had the uh, Escort. Right. Um, was it, a, I can't remember if the Maverick was a... It, that, it, was that a hatch? I believe it was a hatch. But it didn't even need to be hatch. But at least Ford always had some small, fast car. Even, like, the ZX2. You remember yeah. the ZX2? That wasn't a bad car. That was. I had a friend that had one. It was actually... That thing got up and went. Tiny little thing, two door. But yeah, man, Japan, we've we've come too we've gone too far away. You know, from the, what the epicness of the '90s was, and now we have Toyota giving us a super made by BMW. And yeah, yeah, super fanboys. You know, I get it. I get it. It's it's a different car from the BMW. Toyota had their hands in it. They were helping design it. They tuned the power plant and the suspension and Nürburgring this and Nürburgring that. Whatever. Toyota didn't make that motor. And it's a freaking BMW. So it's going to break and it's going to be expensive. It's just facts. I mean, you go look at an old BMW 3 Series. You look at an old uh, Supra, the MK4. One of them has been to the shop 50,000 times, and it wasn't for it to make 2,000 horsepower. It was because everything in the damn motor was breaking. Not the Supra. Probably got an alternator, maybe a battery, some fluid changes. You know, 1,000 horsepower stock bottom-end car from the 90s. If I were to buy a Toyota, I would buy it because of the engine. Toyotas are known for making Because it's engines. a Toyota. Yeah. You'd buy a Toyota to have a Toyota. So why would I buy a Toyota? To have a Subaru or a BMW. Yeah. It, no. It makes no sense. Right. So I really hope you're listening to Toyota, Ford, Mitsubishi, all of, all of you. And Rhett and Link, shout <laughs> hey, out. Rhett and Link, hi. <laughs> Share our video, please. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> that would be we great. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, no, we've we've gone away, Mikey. Yeah. I, I, the more we talk about this, the more depressed I get. Yeah, about. but look at the bright side. We still have the GTR. We do. And we still have the Type R. Right. What we, more do you need, really? <laughs> I mean, we, we still have the 370. I, I guess a lot is to be said. I'm not hating on the 370. It's a beautiful car. I love the 240Zs, and it was styled after the 240Zs. It's a beautiful car. But Nissan needs to put a power plant in it that makes good power, update the interior and the, the infotainment so that it, it is properly in its price category. They just really do. They have to. I'm just glad to see that Nissan has an axe to them because that would be worse. It would be worse to lose the GTR and the 370Z as they are right now than for them to be crap. Yep. Exactly. So I agree. The more we talk about it, the more depressed I get. It is, right. But um, pretty soon it'll all be electric anyway. So it won't matter. Right. Uh, I mean, we have a Sony building a car now. <laughs> pretty soon you, you'll go to Best Buy and say, hey, I'll take the LG uh, four-door. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so let's talk about hybrids. All right. Hybrid. Okay. Let's, let's go that route. Hybrids and electric cars. The Sony electric car is what the world needs. Now, listen, Sony, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity. Me and him have talked about this a great deal. And I'm trying not to go too deep because this whole part of the podcast or video would be about the Sony car. But listen to me, Sony. If you're going to build a car and put a badge on it that says Sony, produced by Sony, if I can walk into fucking Best Buy and buy a Sony car, that motherfucker better have a PlayStation in it. It better. It better. Like... It doesn't have to be in the base model, but there should be an option of the car that has a PlayStation built into it and a screen in the back and a screen in the front, and people can have multiplayer four-way console games inside the car. It can be done. And even more so, did you know Did you know that Tesla Arcade or whatever it's called, you can actually drive a racing game in your Tesla looking at the screen down there using the steering wheel and brake pedal and gas pedal and all of that to drive the car? Like, I'd never leave the garage. Right. Like, Sony, come on. You've got to do this. Your, your, like, legacy is the PlayStation. I don't give a shit whatever the hell you've made. Your legacy is actually the PlayStation. So if you're going to do this, we need a PlayStation in the Sony car. We do. I mean, right? And that PlayStation better be on one of your high-definition screens surrounded by... The well, the audio, audio ought to be epic. Yeah. I mean, because you do audio. You do all of that. So it ought to be best audio, ought to have a PlayStation built into it, and it needs to be beautiful because Sony has always made a beautiful product. So, Sony, if you're listening, if you make the Sony car, we have high expectations. I want a PlayStation. I'll tell you what, if you can make an all-electric Sony car with a PlayStation in it that can do four-way console gaming in it and has anything close to the performance of a Tesla Model 3 and is in that price range, I'm going to buy one. Yeah. And it should be able to charge with a USB-C that you can plug into <laughs> the USB port. <laughs> charge in about 15 minutes. I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Mike. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, Samsung might do it when they right. come out with theirs. <laughs> How, ooh, ooh. Wireless charging. There you go. Pull it, it onto the pad. Give us a charging mat to put in the garage and pull that bitch over and charge it. Hey, yeah. when this you happens, heard it here when first. This happens, we get credit. That's right. That's right. We get we get money off of this. You heard it here first. Wireless charging mat. There you go. I like it. So electric cars. So it's hard to talk about electric cars without talking about the Tesla, right? Or the Mach-E. Or the Mach-E. <laughs> we the did the Mach-E already. Or the mockery, whatever you want to call it. Mustang Mach-E or Mustang Mockery? He came up with that. It's it's awesome. I love it. Um, copyright. Yeah, <laughs> copyright Mikey Michelson. <laughs> uh, so the Mustang Mach-E, I love that Ford is making an electric, sporty crossover. Should have never been called a Mustang. But we talked about, we talked that, about that on our pilot podcast. And we'll probably talk about it again. It's 20 sure minutes. We will. 20 minutes in, exactly. So if you go to 20 minutes in our, our previous one, you'll get straight to it. That's on the YouTube video, the podcast. It'll be a little further back, probably around 25, 26 minutes. So anyways, so it's hard not to talk about Teslas, right? So Tesla, like, they gave us everything that is the fully electric car right now in an actual marketable, viable, sellable charge it environment i mean they went all the way they gave people quick charging stations where they could actually charge the things up on a highway so they can travel across the country 
What was the biggest argument you heard when you had an electric car? It was, how are you going to get on a, how are you going to do a road trip? How are you going to go from South Louisiana, where we are, to Houston, Texas on a single charge? That's not, no, my problem is stop at a gas station and have to wait there 30 minutes to an hour for your car to charge. That's my problem. It is, and you know... I mean, gas stations might get really epic and have movie theaters and restaurants and all that, but still, so nobody wants to wait like tells, that. Tesla tells us the supercharging stations, you can plug in and charge those things any 15 to 30 minutes. So, and that'll get you like 80% of your battery life, which is 80% of your travel. Like, because the last 20% of charging a, a lithium battery takes 80% of the time because it has to slow the current down. It takes much longer. The, the battery can't take in current as quickly. So, but they say 15 to 30 minutes. So if you're on a road trip and you've driven, you know, like the range of a, a Tesla, let's say you've gone 400 miles. If you've gone 350, 400 miles and you stop to use the bathroom and get you a, a beef jerky, what's 15 minutes? You Especially know? when I use the bathroom. Right. <laughs> I've been there for a good 20, 30 minutes. Peeling the paint off the walls, right? What, uh, what's 15, 20 minutes to, you know what I mean? To be able to use your electric car to go that way. Now, obviously, I'm a gearhead. You know, we built the diesel Bronco for Christ's sakes. So I'm not saying replace everything. You know, I'm not going full tree hug here. I'm not saying replace all things that are motorized with, in a well, engine-fied with a motorized vehicle like an electric motor, electric car. Um what I'm saying is, is that they're actually pretty fantastic. You know, you have a super fast car, and they're certainly not zero emissions because you have to charge them somewhere, and that power was made by natural gas or coal, so on and so forth, nuclear power. Um, but they're epic. They're fast. And for people who, I believe, just transit back and forth to work every day, and they just need something that doesn't cost a lot to do that, the electric car could be that future. Maybe not quite yet when you can buy... A Toyota Corolla that gets 35, 40 miles to the gallon for a couple of grand. But eventually, I think you'll see electric cars get cheap enough that you could make that argument. Yeah. Tesla, they really set the bar. And it's like they're known for technology and like the freaking car drives itself. You can take a nap if you want. I mean, you're not supposed to, but there's been video of people taking a nap while driving the car. Right. I mean, they set the bar in technology. But the thing is, if Sony's going to make an electric car, What's to stop other electronic companies from doing it? Nothing. And you have more electric cars coming out. That means the price may start dropping. Right. So more competition equals lower prices. I mean, yeah. as it is, supply and demand. So, and I mean that that's another fine argument is that Sony could do everything Tesla does, and they won't sell as many cars as Tesla because of the fast charging system, yeah. right? So, Sony, how are you going to sell more cars than Tesla or even get anywhere near Tesla? You need to put a PlayStation in your car. That's you the go. answer. You need to give us wireless charging. That's the answer. The only one I'm nervous about is the Apple car because there there'd be no Windows. So I don't know how that's <laughs> that's going to work. So corny. <laughs> there'd be no Windows in the Apple car. And, you know, let me tell you what actually bothers me about the Apple car. Right? Apple Maps, trying to guide it around. <laughs> I don't actually mind Apple Maps. I use it all the time. What, I, what bothers me about Apple is they'll make a beautiful car, and they'll make you a car that is, and that's not what bothers me, but they'll make you a beautiful car with beautiful hardware, 
it'll probably be the best electric car you could possibly build, period. It'd be the most expensive electric car you could possibly build or buy. But when it breaks, when you go into the aftermarket, they will not give you the tools, they will not give you the knowledge, the pieces, everything you need to fix it. They will force you to go back to them. They'll and make you wait for three hours at a Genius Bar. Well, what happens when you go to the Genius Bar and let's say your car's air conditioning's not working and they say it's going to cost too much to take it apart and fix it because we yeah. sealed it together with fucking glue. Just you might as well one. buy a new one. <laughs> what happens? You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you get the Apple Care in the car, you should be good. <laughs> well, you just get a new one every year. Like Then you're just going to drive it into Lake or run it into a wall there once you a year and... You've got to do that. There you go. That's what we're gonna. That's what, that's what yeah. you have to do. It's like a phone. You trade it in once every two years. That's right. Get Maybe they'll even give you a trade-in plan. Yeah. On. Hey, I'd be fine with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, automotive industry is definitely moving, and it's going to be pretty exciting to see where it goes. The the electric and game is with where uh, we're Sony headed. announcing they're going to make one. It, I think it's going to be a game changer. I hope it so, is. Yeah. I hope it doesn't end up being like the first Honda hybrid, you know what I mean, which fell off the end of the earth, whenever, like the Insight. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. <laughs> right? It just fell off the end of the earth. I hope Sony doesn't give us something that just evaporates because they didn't really try hard enough to compete with Tesla. I mean, that's what they have to do. Sony might not want to hear that, but that's what every car manufacturer building an electric car needs to do, compete with Tesla. And if you can't steal even 10% of Tesla's market, you will fail. Like, I'm sure. Just the, the cost of developing such a thing, you know? Yeah. I guess the moral of the story is American cars are getting much better. Japanese cars are getting much worse. And pretty soon none of it's going to matter because LG and uh, Sony are going to take over. <laughs> LG and Sony and Samsung are going to make electric cars. And if they do, and they give us a real-life sports car, you might have Mustangs and Supras and everything else on the run. I mean, really, think of, and not us, we love the sound of engines, we love turning wrenches, but think of the new generation that grows up with electric cars. Think about the new generation. Like, I grew up, I always drove a stick shift. Right. There are people now who have no idea how to drive it. They can't. It's crazy to think that, in a generation, maybe two, there will be people who don't know how to push the gas or use the pedal. Right. Because they're going to get in the car. It's going to go where they tell them to go. Or, or there's no such concept as park and reverse and neutral and drive. It's not yeah. a thing. Type you know, imagine, address. Right. Imagine a car that's basically a remote-controlled vehicle at that point. Um, imagine sports cars, you know, if you could, less than 50 grand. Imagine sports cars with an electric motor on every single wheel, each producing 200 horsepower and 400 foot-pounds of torque. You know what I mean? Uh, an 800 horsepower and, uh, 800 horsepower and, well, I'm sorry, I'm mathing, 1,600 foot-pounds of torque. 800 horsepower and 1,600 foot-pounds of torque using four electric wheel motors. Imagine lining up with that, an all-wheel drive monster like that that probably weighs 5,000 pounds and could hook in snow and rain and run, you know, second and a half to 60. In your Mustang, which is 600 horsepower V8, I don't care who you are, you ain't holding on to that damn electric car. And even if the electric car might get zero to 
110 in five seconds, and and you say, well, I can do 200, I'll run him down. He'll be through traps long before you ever catch up to him, boss. It'll be over with. I mean, that's the world we're running into. That'll eventually be a thing. You can't snicker at electric cars because that's the future. It just It is what it is. Yep. But we'll probably get to the point where you pull up next to it, and it'll be an auto drive, so it won't matter. <laughs> you hit the gas, you'll be gone. And Maybe it won't let them you. race, right? Maybe. Maybe so. Unless they have a drag race button. Right. And then you're screwed. Because <laughs> then a computer be whoops your ass, right? At least you'll be It'd able to... It'd be like the PlayStation. Right. You know, Gran Turismo or whatever. At least you'll be able to pull into a parking lot and go, well, you didn't beat me, your stupid computer did. You know what I mean? Let's see you actually drive that thing. And you still get your ass whooped because no matter how much she sucks at driving, if you point it in a straight line and stick the pedal in the floor, she's going. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So we appreciate you tuning in again. And we hope you enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun. I hope you did too. Certainly and did. just remember to uh, sh uh, shoot us emails. Tell us what you want to hear about. Yeah, we, we want to hear your opinions. We want to hear what you want to see us talk about, do, fuss at us because we said or did something wrong that you don't like our opinion. I care about your opinion. Enough to read it, laugh, and delete your email. But please send the email anyways. <laughs> uh, no, but for real, thank y'all. You know, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe. It really, really helps us a lot because the YouTube al algorithm like thrives on like comment like subscribe if you want to but at least like and leave a comment you know say that we suck say that we were great put a period in there i don't care help us out and put something like that if you're on the podcast thank you very much for bearing with our possibly very echoey and horrible audio we're doing better we're trying to, to get that better uh, we really appreciate you all listening to us you know if you're driving or you're putting yourself to sleep i'm sure i can do that for you <laughs> And uh, the guy who made the comment last week about our tools looking like this old house, that's where the uh, beginning joke came from. So No, 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 no. We, so the, this, old, that, this old house comment, I yeah. commented back to the guy. Does this old co house comment came from you and I wearing a plaid shirt. Oh, did so it? So we were, I was wearing red, <laughs> you were wearing blue, we've got our hair parted all cute to the side, and there's woodworking tools on the wall behind us. <laughs> I mean... If we weren't Al from Tool Time, you're, you're basically this old house. So thank you. We'll take that as a compliment. We appreciate that. <laughs> right. And you gave us good ideas. So Yeah, we really do. We appreciate all comments. We love you all. Y'all take care. See you next week. Peace.